The information and opinions contained in this podcast are completely from the individuals at the point of recording. It does not reflect the views of the organizations and employers past, present and future. It is for information and entertainment purposes only. The producers make no representation or warranty as to its adequacy, completeness, accuracy or timeliness for any particular purpose and it is not necessarily indicative of the future or likely performance. Uncool is recorded on Audio-Technica mics. There's a lot of experts that keep telling you the way that you should be using your money and the right way to do, to use your money. But you know, very often, right, these experts, they don't tell you what do they do with their own money. They never do. Yeah, because that's uncool. But we want to change that. And that is exactly why we have this show. We do not speak to financial experts on this show. Absolutely not. Yes, but we are speaking to creative industry professionals about how they navigate their way with money so that other industry professionals can also think creatively about their financial decisions and what makes a contented life. And so on that note of being contented, that's exactly our guest today. Uh, I think he's very contented. I mean, he's, he's been living in uh, New Zealand for like the last 20, 28, 30 months. Not to say that in Singapore, you people are very uncontented. I'm sure there are contented people in Singapore. But anyway, he looks completely contented. Hello, Danny. Hi, What's Danny. Up? Hi, thanks for having so, me on your show. Tell us exactly how contented you are. Oh, good question. Um, I, I, I think right off the bat, I'm going to say I can't say I'm contented. Being an entrepreneur, we're always building, looking for the next thing, you know, always we want to improve stuff and progress and all that stuff. But um, I think essentially when you want to talk about contentment, um, it, it, it's about reaching a level where you feel, you know, that is flow. Like. I think that's the main thing for everyone. Uh, I, I, I've been in the, the media business for close to a while, about 15 to 17 years right now. So in various forms, uh, I started off as a lawyer, uh, but uh, that just didn't click with me and obviously uh, have evolved a lot until I found uh, my passion in, 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 in the media industry. And I've been running uh, intuitive films for the past close to 15 years right now. Yeah. Uh, of which uh, the last 30 months or so have been has been remotely from Auckland, where you are now. How, how does that work, actually? Firstly, really, the, 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 the past two years and four months have been interesting. Not just the fact that, I, I, the fact that I've moved here in New Zealand and, and managing things remotely, but also because the whole world is going through the pandemic and stuff like that, right? So we've obviously had very, very interesting challenges and, and it, it's, it's not easy. I, I think we, we have to grapple with a lot of things. But one good thing that I can see from it was really the fact that working remotely, I would have transitioned a little bit earlier than the crowd as well because the crowd kind of got forced into the pandemic by the pandemic to transition there. Whereas for me, I was already preparing to do that. Yeah, so that that helped uh, quite a bit for me. So I'm, I'm sure in the, in the more than two and a half years you've been in Auckland, we've never met in person. 80% of my staff I've never met in person. So what made you want to move over to Auckland and do this anyway? Like, um, first of all, it's not an easy decision to want to migrate wherever you are, right? From to wherever you are. But you also decided then to want to run a business remotely, which in and of itself 
is a challenge. I think most people, they think, hey, when I migrate, I'm just going to get a job in that country I migrate to, right? Yeah, but, but, that's right. But, but in your case, it's like, I'm going to migrate and continue to run my own business uh, in Singapore from where I am. And I think, wow, that's, that's very, I'm very curious how that works and, and how that came about. Okay, firstly, I think it, it helps that my wife was born in New Zealand. So because of that, she she's a New Zealand citizen. So that makes it a little bit easier. But having said that, we've always been eyeing New Zealand for a long time. Uh, personally, I like broader, bigger spaces. That's everybody has a different, you know, um, kind of liking and what they want. And for me, I wanted a blend to be able to work in the city, you know, because of the 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 kind of stuff that we do, like. Uh, we, we like the vibrancy of the city but at the same time I love nature personally I love nature and when I came to New Zealand in 2000 for our honeymoon uh, I really fell in love with the country already and that was before kids so kids happen you know we've got I've got three kids you know my son's almost 18 uh, he's 18 in June and then after I got wow. twin daughters who are 14 right this year so uh, kids happen so obviously a lot of things went in the back burner but a couple of years ago, we said, look, now's the time to do it. The kids are old enough for us to do the transition. If we don't do it now, um, I think it will be too late. And looks like it's kind of in the nick of time because um, like, like I just shared, um, we moved here just a month or two before the pandemic hit, right? We literally had our stuff come off the container two weeks before the first lockdown in New Zealand. I, I think any later, we we probably had so much hurdles even now yeah. also if I leave New Zealand I can't come back in and stuff like that as in it, there are a lot of restrictions coming back and stuff like that so they're loosening up um, stuff like that so uh, I'm just thinking right you mentioned all the bright, big wider spaces nature uh, you mentioned how you fell in love with the country and so on and then, how, and then of course you have kids uh, and they're old enough to move so there's a very big shift in lifestyle and so how, how has this kind of shift in lifestyle uh, you know uh, affected your psychology uh, towards money and finance? One of the major differences you will find um, coming from Singapore as well is Singapore, you know, being the society that we are, we are very concentrated, very, very, very much aware of uh, the fact that we need to make money and stuff. Right? Here, things are a little bit more relaxed, to be honest. There's pros and cons to it, not, not necessarily good or bad. Um, it's just a different kettle of fish, right? Here, the that there's not so much concentration. There are actually enforced holidays as well. So just to sidetrack a little bit to show you uh, an example, over Easter holiday, the Easter weekend, right? Actually, yeah. it is mandatory for shops to close because the government wants people not to work. And if you actually open, you get, you get uh, fined for opening. I think par partially is that kind of society, partially also is a Labour government. So <laughs> I'm making political statements here, but it, 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 it is like that. There are some enforced holidays here. Um, and just as an example, so I was really, really taken um, by surprise when I found out that uh, Easter Friday, you can't work on Easter Friday. Uh, Easter Sunday, all shops were closed as well. So these two days, all shops were closed, right? It felt like Chinese New Year, oh, you know, wow. in, 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 in well, Singapore. But more last, so, even Chinese yeah. New Year nowadays, people open, don't care, right? Yeah. Make, make money, right? <laughs> yeah, but no, here you can't because you will be fined. It's completely oh opposite. It's like in Singapore, you're like, oh no, public holiday, don't go out. It's so crowded. Yeah, and I think like um, shopping malls here, you know, they have a mandate that you have to open for certain hours of the day. 
Otherwise, yeah, yeah uh, you you uh, cannot. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you you loogie the rental and all that. No, but the the malls themselves say if you sign my tenancy, you have to open X number of hours a day. Yeah, it it, it it's quite different. Uh, those are the few uh, things that we were getting used to, lah. The fact that malls here close by five, so there's less focus on uh, business here in a way. The trade off is that you know people actually take time to relax and stuff like that here, lah. Yeah, I mean, how does that? Especially when you're, uh, you know, running a Singapore-based business, <laughs> yeah, from a so little box. So it doesn't apply to are. me because none of the holidays <laughs> apply to me. I'm still working on. I'm still working vis-a-vis Singapore because the team is working in Singapore. Um, it does fusses up the time quite a bit. Um, but you know, I I I try to manage that with the team as well. There's a four-hour time difference, so by the time we reach a certain time, I tell my team, look, uh, I am unlikely to go into calls with you guys past dinner time, so I try to cut off uh, certain things. A lot of it has to be managed through firstly delegation, finding the right people. You know, a lot of challenges in the business. You find that you lose out because you can't be there face to face to meet with your clients and and so on. Yes and no. I think you're forced to actually hire better people to 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 run it, right? Uh, you mm. you're forced to have different different skills. So now now I can't have face to face with clients, but I'm forced to look for people who have. I, I I make mistakes as well. Meaning we you have to go through a few people before you find the right person and all sorts of stuff, right? Those are the challenges. But you're forced to work differently. I think that's the main thing. And uh, it's a good thing because I, I actually think the world's going that way as well. Whether my my own values have shifted and stuff like that, I think yes. Um, simply because living here, there are a lot more options outside lah, that you can. You know, in in, in Singapore, I, I used to live around Siglap area. I wanted to get out whenever I wanted to get out. Um, I would go to like uh, ECP and stuff like that, right? Here, there's you can pretty much have three sixty degrees in terms of options. You know, I I I I live in a part part of West Auckland where I'm like 20, 30 minutes away from from city center, and then I'm 20, 30 minutes away from the some of the best beaches in the world as well. So it's just having that kind of options, right? I not necessarily go to the beach all the time. But I think just mentally having those options available for me, right? Uh, and we recently got a, 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 a dog for the past two months. So I'm getting used to being a dog owner for the first time, bringing him for walks and stuff. So I, I do find my priorities have changed as well, right? So that I'm, I'm kind of settling into a bit of a routine, uh, but also taking time off uh, and, and spending more time with nature. I, I think that's one of the biggest difference that I've found personally. Yeah. My kids go to uh, a Steiner school. So, um, a Rudolph what school? Steiner school. So a Steiner school, if you, if you go and visit the Steiner school, the first thing you see, right, is that, is this a school? <laughs> because every, a lot of things is woofcrafted and stuff. And my kids, uh, I mean, we purposely put them in that school because I wanted them to get in touch with their hands and their heart and Rudolf Steiner is the father of biodynamic farming so they've got certain practices and stuff that they do so they they do things like knitting in woodwork as well as well as well as the normal curriculum of maths and stuff like that right actually there's a Steiner school in in Singapore as well Uh, but they're trying to teach different things not just mental development but 
also physical, tactile development, emotional development as well. Um, like first few months when my daughters came here, they learned about uh, astronomy. They learned about the stars, the placement of the stars and stuff like that. So yeah, it's quite a different environment that we brought them into. <laughs> uh, and two years on, I can say they, they like it. La. They like it. La. Yeah. So speaking of different environments, then how, how what is it like to be? Uh, I mean, I, I know you 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 still run uh, intuitive from Auckland, but what is what is the creative industry like actually in Auckland, if, especially uh, you know for for migrants or for freelancers and so on. Good question. It's it, it's not an easy industry. I can't claim to know everything because I don't work in the industry here. But also obviously. Uh, looking from the outside in and just being in the in, in the area here, it is uh, still a very competitive industry. However, having said that, uh, if you're in the movie industry, if you're working as a freelancer within the movie industry, there are opportunities that come up and you get to play at a very, very high level here. Obviously, because of all the productions that are working on, uh, you know, whether it's... Uh, it was the Lord of the Rings series before they pulled it. There were certain films that were filmed here, like even uh, Power of the Dog was filmed here as well, you know? So there are Hollywood productions that come in quite frequently to be able to film here simply because of the fantastic locations that uh, New Zealand has. So if you are a freelancer, you get to play at uh, a, a really a very different level uh, than say if you were just in Singapore. Are you planning on moving or actually opening up no. Your operations there as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> why why not? And I, no. I, I, th- I thought it would be a natural progression, you know. Yeah. But you seem very adamant like no. <laughs> no. I, I, I think frankly because um unless I'm going into with a slightly different focus and stuff like that, but but my my business model as it is currently, right? Uh, is a very labor-intensive business model. And because it's a labor-intensive business model, uh, here in in New Zealand, labor is really, really expensive. Not knowing the area and not having uh, relationships with uh, clients and stuff like that here, I think it's going to be a challenge for me. And it's not something that I actually intend to uh, really scale here. If I do start, I'll go into business here, I'll probably go into a slightly different business as well. But anyway... Production is, I mean, video production is labor intensive anywhere in the world. I mean, unless, unless you're talking about a vlogger or you or something, but in general, it is. Correct. Looking for platforms to feature your business or your project? Just reach out to us at contact at creativesatwork.asia or drop us a DM to find out how and why doing so on the Uncool Podcast is such a good idea. So we are talking about, you know, the, the measure of success. Um, I, I think it's very different. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, your kids are already learning something that's very different from the Singaporean schools already. And, and our measure of success, I feel, it's very tied in with the amount of money that we are earning, right? And so this idea of enough is a very tough concept to grasp. When do we have enough, uh, you know, and when is someone considered successful at the peak of their career? So... To you, Danny, what is enough? I think when somebody says uh, this amount of money is enough, it really depends on what they consider as essential and survival, right? 
Uh, so for me, there are two tiers, right? One is essential and for survival. If you have a certain sum that's essential and for survival, and for everybody that's different, whether you've got kids, whether you don't have kids, or you're just a single person, you know, everybody has a different barometer But that. Then after, beyond that, what money gives you is really freedom. Freedom to be able to have more choices uh, in, 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 in what you're selecting, you know, freedom in, in more options on how you travel, freedom in, in, in choosing the kind of vehicle that you want to travel as well. You know, those, those, that is beyond that. And when you talk about enough, right, if you are able to manage your expectations of survival and what is essential and have an income that is able to cover that for you without you being burnt out, that is enough for me enough but if you want freedom that's extra that's a lot extra and, and the freedom is unlimited right how how far you want to take it yeah that's basically infinity at that point <laughs> it, but it must it must have shifted right now that, that it, given the way that you live now and the way that you work now i'm sure and i know and what you've experienced i'm sure that that barometer has shifted for you uh in the last couple of years yes that uh that shift for us has definitely happened i mean the fact that one of the key things, I don't know whether it's COVID pandemic is well, but my need for travel is not as high than I was in Singapore. I think in Singapore, because we're, we're, we're stuck in a city in a smaller island, right? We want to travel. Hey, I want to go to Vietnam. I want to go, you know, you, you want to be able to hop onto a flight and just get out somewhere and stuff like that. I, I feel in New Zealand, I don't really need to travel so much because sometimes I can just hop into a car and, you know, I'm already at the beach. Oh, okay. My need for that is, is, is kind of settled. Uh, so yeah, I, I do find that part of it um, has definitely come down quite a bit. I just want to bounce this idea. Sure. I mean, like, like, like compare both of you, right? Because you're both fathers, Sean and Danny. Also, I, I don't know, like when I see the people around me who have kids, I, I myself don't have kids, right? So I feel that the education system has also molded the expectations of parents uh, of what they want their kids to be. So I just want to ask this question, right, to both of you. What do you hope for your kids in the future, you know, from where you are right now? Okay, uh, I, th I, th I think a couple of things. First, uh, I, I'm completely different from, from Danny, at least experience-wise. Uh, I mean, obviously, his kids are older um, and he has uh, three. But, 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 but the things he just said, like he, he sends his kids to, to this school and they learn uh, woodwork and, and all that. I'm completely opposite because I have... Uh, I'm already planning like ahead. Okay, where are my kids going to go to primary school? Why should they go to this primary school? Because of, you know, they get affiliation to this secondary school and so on. I, it caught, caught in the system. And so now my immediate future, at least for the next, uh, my next output for the next two, three years, or my greatest production, if you want to use production terms, is to get my kid to that primary school. I'm not going to tell you which one. I start thinking about things like, oh, I need to go move. I need to do parent volunteer. I need to go move within the 1KM radius. You start to get a map. and then, So the, the point is that so, so I think it's the environment you're in. Definitely, I don't. I think New Zealand definitely, uh, they don't have that that kind of stress and emphasis, lah. But I, so I'm completely different kind of parent. I mean, I think it's a, I don't know if it's an Asian thing or a Singapore thing, but so <laughs> part A to your question, Yanling, is what do I hope for them? If I, my immediate answer to you is I want to get into this particular primary school, <laughs> and so that they can get into that, so they have a, a affiliation to go into that secondary school and so on. I do not know what the PSLE uh result uh, uh scoring system will be years down the line but never mind i take the affiliation first to be honest i think i'm very mild because a lot of my friends even at this age uh their kids are like the same age as me uh, as my kids which is like kindergarten 
and they are starting to send their kids for things like tennis lessons and i'm like why they are like five and they said oh because it's in dsa you must go into a single into a into a sport whereby you don't you don't play in team so if your teammates suck you can still go for dsa what's dsa good enough the di- direct school thing where you know admission. like sports scholarship direct school, oh, direct school admission yeah so, okay. so, they, so they tell you things like okay you must do things like tennis you must do things like sailing why uh, and i was like why do why why because, oh, because if you if they play like basketball or football and the rest of the team sucks, your your kid is not gonna is not gonna do very well to get admitted. <laughs> so you people are thinking in their head like seven eight years and then it's, so it's not that chill. So anyway, as that's a digression. My, my, the second thing, the second thing I hope for and I realize and I, I think this applies in life in general, whatever country you're in, is that I think regardless of wherever you are in the world, I think opportunity is definitely. A uh, very big player. I mean, you look at a very successful people. They come and say, "Oh, uh, entrepreneurs and so on." They say, "Oh, I made uh, you know this business I had was so successful. After like five or six failures, I finally found something that works." But the reality is that these guys had seven, six, seven, ten opportunities before they found that one thing. Most of us only have one or two or three. So I want, I hope to be at least in a position whereby I can be. Well, not necessarily like here, here's go, here's money, go, go make it work to my kids. But I want to be able to at least know that I have the at some resources or something to give them the opportunity to have that 10 opportunities, right? as many as possible to find the one thing that works. And I think unfortunately in Singapore, it might be more, as, the assumption is that opportunity and the school you're in and the money you have and all that are all related. Are all related, um, yeah. In general, I think that's definitely what I hope for my kids to give and to hope to do for my kids um, to be to able to give them as much as they can uh, opportunity-wise, uh, whether it might in some shape or form, like, whether it might be literally dollars and cents or not, <laughs> or, or, or education or something. And I think that, that that's that's always the thing in my, in my mind. And, and I feel it's a very Singaporean thing of coming from a non-parental point of view <laughs> and my very narrow Singaporean mindset as well. But I don't know, Danny, because you you basically made that transition, right? Or are you like the same no, right I'm, now? No, <laughs> I'm actually the same as Sean. I, <laughs> I, I, the, the truth is I'm the same like Sean, but I've given up with the kids I've had. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> so the, 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 the truth is this. My son, I was like really rooting for him, make sure he do good in PSLE and stuff like that. But no matter what, right, he's, he's just not an academic person. So he kind of taught me to like, okay, I had to really look at what's this boy's gift? And what what is this animal that I'm dealing with, right? And knowing, in fact, that you know the the future and now increasingly the people that we see, right? How how they succeed, not necessarily through education, right? Uh, in fact, a lot of things that we are being prepared for by the by the school system, right? These jobs are not going to exist. We know that five years from now, ten years from now, all the jobs that exist now might not have, have any correlations to the education that you're receiving now. Even my case also, when I came through that, eh, it's very different already. <laughs> so in a way, my, my, my son defeated me. La. He did very badly in PSLE. He <laughs> did. He did. Yeah. He didn't even get into a good school in PSLE. Like, so in a way, I, I sort of had to look at things a different way, right? That's the first step. La. Second thing is also, I felt that uh, one thing I was sure of was I needed to give kids an alternative to way of looking at things so that they have options outside there as well. So in a way, I'm saying like you, Sean, I want to give them possibilities, right? Uh, but possibilities not on just the ladder that's been laid out or the ladder that's available. Uh, I want to be able to question, hey, 
is this the correct ladder to begin with as well? And, and, and just giving them options and exposing them to different things, right? I think that's one of the best things that the parents can do. Lah. And then let their gifts show up because uh, like I can say my son, so for example, lah, my son took four days of school, okay? Over this uh, two, three months, he took four days of school because he wanted to work at a car mechanics workshop for free. He's not even getting paid. So he, but the good thing was it, it came from his own initiative. He actually approached the car mechanic and say that I want to work with you. I want to try out how, what it is. And I encouraged that because he came to me and said that, can I take four days off school because I want to do this? Uh, are you getting paid? No. What? Okay. Car mechanic. Are you sure this is the future you want or not? Right. But I, I, honestly, if I was in the Singapore mindset, I would do that. But uh, we actually spoke to his teacher. His teacher said, actually, it's a good thing as well. And we thought, okay, yeah, let him try. Uh, and, and let him experience it. He, he did the four days. So he went, he learned a lot of things. Now he kind of gets a feel, okay, I, I did ask him, oh, do you necessarily want to work as a car mechanic? Maybe not. But I, I did experience it. He loves cars. Uh, he loves especially JDM cars. As well. I don't know. But it's not my thing. <laughs> I, I, I can just imagine in, in Singapore if he went to a car mechanic do that the guy would be like hey you sell ah. <laughs> you know, or, or something study. like that yeah. 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 And, and, and yeah, the and car the mechanic te- most likely say I don't want I don't want you the, please the, go back the, and study the, the teacher will send him to the, pin, to the principal or the school council office and you sit down and, oh yeah no, okay, I, I, I literally had that I tell you when I was in secondary school this is years ago I had I was sent to a school counsellor because I didn't want to go to JC. Kept trying to sell you the JC idea. I don't know. I mean, the look back idea, I think, is statistics lah, because it's where you can howl in and say, hey, you know, so I got 99% that they went to JC or something. But but yeah, I think in Singapore, that, that's it. They just won't accept it. So that, did you go to JC in the end? Request. No, I did not go to JC, and I can I can tell you this as well. They didn't they didn't let it go, and he'd be like, "Oh, oh oops!" So, oh, because so, because you affected their metric. Ah, <laughs> yeah, you were statistic. Yeah, like, okay. That's why. So when I hear that story about, oh yeah, I'm gonna take forty years forty off and go to become a mechanic, I'm like, what? You can do that. My mind is just completely like blown, right? And that 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 you was encouraged, and the school is like, yeah, go ahead, and then oh the mechanic be like, hey, yeah, yeah, come, come, because Singapore's mechanics would be like. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's also a reflection of your experience, right, Danny? I mean, because you, you definitely did many things before you ended up in video. You did law. You did, I think you were uh, in London doing something else. I was in logistics. And... I was yeah. oh my God. teaching. And you're also from, from, from Penang. So yes. I, so I think, all, so that all this, how does this background that kind of like affect you, you know, have, have coming from that diverse experience uh, going up before. I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, who is also an ex-lawyer, but she, now she runs the business Awfully Chocolate, if you know. So she's my classmate. Oh, yeah. And when we connected, and she was working in the media for a while, when we, when we connected, she, she looked at me and she said, yeah, and when we shared notes, right, it's basically this. When we came through a professional degree like law, right, it, it's actually almost like we had uh, blinders. You, there was really, at that time, now it's a little bit wider, but at that time, there was no other option. You had you, Your progression was to be a lawyer. So actually, when I came out, right, I was actually less equipped because I was so specialized as compared to an art student, for example. I found that an art student actually had more, uh, were aware of more options. They knew they could do this, they could try this, they could do that, you know? Whereas for lawyers came out, 
what the fish do I do <laughs> if I didn't want to do law? I felt that there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do after that. Uh, and, and of course, hitting my head and trying all sorts of stuff. Lah. But the good part was when I was working in logistics in the in London, I actually did a film course on the weekends. <laughs> I went to... Wow, so hardworking. Yeah, yeah I went to Soho, <laughs> right? And that's when they were still editing on the Steinbeck. And so we were shooting on film, editing on Steinbeck. So I, I, I had time to kind of discover my passion. I actually wish that I actually had more options of, you know, trying a lot of things early on really early on, whether it was through a gap year. A lot of times when, when you come through that track, huh? you know, in Singapore, gap year is not common, right? What gap mm, year? No, go and study straight away. Go university straight away, right? Yeah, I think actually that gap year and all allows you to mature and, and really finding out what, what you want and what you don't like as well. And I think that is so important. I actually see that and I actually encourage, and I hope my kids get that one, two years of trying different things. Yeah. And, and one of the things you tried was intuitive and that's been around for 15 years. Yeah. So what, what's the secret to keeping something going on for 15 years? Necessity because <laughs> you got three kids to feed. <laughs> Open, you better work it, man. You better hustle. <laughs> you should know, Sean. For fathers and, and everybody, you know, once you have kids, the priorities kind of change, right? Your concentration is like, okay, how do I give a stable base to my family? Um, that sort of takes over for a while. Um, you know, I, I of course, I, I wish I was somewhere before I even had kids so that, you know, our income, but that wasn't the case. Um, I had to make sure that things were kept going and, you know, we have to push through a lot of things. So that... Only now, when things are a little, when my kids are a little bit older, uh, our our in terms of commitment, in terms of funds and all that. Of course, I I'm not in the framework where my kids have to go overseas university, which will cost like two three hundred thousand each as well. Because if you have that, okay, my friend, you better work a lot harder as well. So <laughs> you know, and 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 your enough will be very much higher than that is enough, Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're into that framework. Um, then you know you've 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 got to work a lot harder as well. But I I am not I'm not I I I think my kids will discover. I actually see other skills coming into play which will help them And and I hope to be able to give the skills. And in fact, you know things like how do they work with money, right? Uh, being astute with money, uh, being astute with certain habits, being astute with how to how to take care of their health diets and stuff like that and, and how's it going to affect them in the long term those things are actually going to make a lot more difference in their lives i feel uh, relationships how do you deal with relationships right um I, I actually think those things they should be teaching in school <laughs> rather than just the rope mats or, or higher mats or you know like the academics like, yeah. right the academic yeah. subjects yeah so on that note, we're going to leave the rest for the second episode where we're coming back with Danny and we're going to be talking about the decisions, specifically financial decisions and how all these come into play. Okay, so catch Danny again in our next episode. And if you want to hear from our other guests coming up in our new episodes or catch up on our old episodes, drop us a like and remember to click follow on our podcast. Also, tell your friends about us. Give us a five-star rating because that really does help. And no worries because it's cool to be uncool. Uncool was recorded on Audio-Technica mics. <laughs>